this morning. You uh, have the special privilege of of having to deal with me primarily because I messed up in my scheduling and had somebody that I thought was going to make it and just crossed wires. And so um, they are not going to be here. And Craig, our brother Craig, he was uh, working too hard yesterday and or the day before. I don't even actually know when it happened, Craig, but uh, hurt his back. And so he's at home trying to get well. So be sure to be praying for him. Um, and I'm sure there's many, many others we need to be praying for uh, at this time. A couple of uh, details for announcements this morning. Uh, one, our food bank. We are beginning to see an increase in requests for food. And so I want to encourage you. I have a couple of notes here. I want to encourage you um, to, one, let us know if you know someone that needs food or if you're in need of food, please call the office and let us know. We have a team that are working on uh, putting bags together, having them ready for people to pick up or getting them delivered. We can help in any one of those ways. Um, But with the increase in calls, if you're capable, would you please consider buying a little bit of extra food when you're out and uh, calling Julie, letting her know she's here on Wednesday afternoons preparing for our Wednesday night service. And if you call the office and let us know you're coming, um, you can drop them off at the door. We'll pick them up and get them inside and get that stuff prepared to uh, get the food out. But um, you are your your generosity has been uh, overwhelmingly uh, appreciated and and very obvious. And so I thank you guys as a church for being so faithful. Um, the second part of that is if you're not able to get out and get food, but you you still want to be involved in this, several people have actually given uh, cash donations, and we have people willing to go out and buy food and actually do that specifically for the food bank. So please feel free to do that. And um, you can contact the office and figure out how to get the the finances. If you want to do that in a, in a special donation, um, we can make that happen as well. Really excited uh, about several different options that you have to follow us on. I think part of our technical issues was YouTube this morning, but we do have a YouTube channel that we've set up. You can follow us on Facebook. You can also download our church app and get connected with us there or go on our webpage and, and check that out. I don't know about you guys, uh, but I am learning that I don't actually uh, enjoy the virtual life as much as I do uh, real life. I, I personally uh, miss seeing y'all and um, have a hard time working from home. I, I don't know what that is, um, but it, it's really a different challenge. And so I am really looking forward to uh, our uh, the t- time we get to have when we come back together and celebrate as a body of believers and get to encourage one another. A couple of key appointments or, or time frames to remember as we're going forward uh, for the, the rest of this month in April. Um, youth group tonight at 530 uh, via Zoom. If you aren't sure how to get on there, please go to our webpage or go to the app and, and check that out. The information's on there. Um, or you can contact Travis at Travis at LibertyLakeChurch.com and he can get you the details and how to join him on Zoom tonight at 530 for youth group and, and to continue the discussions there. Um, the, another appointment or time frame to remember is Wednesday night at 6. We have a Wednesday night uh, service that we're doing at 6 o'clock. So uh, join us there on those uh, particular, uh, on the, the um Venues that I mentioned as far as joining us, uh, YouTube, um, Facebook, uh, Vimeo, our app or our webpage. Um, and the last one is um, we're doing, a, I'm working on a, a weekday morning devotion at 10 o'clock. We're calling it Coffee with Shane, which I don't know. I couldn't come up with anything else that was any better than that. So that's what we did. 
Um, and I'm really excited because my son, Chris, who is home from Bible school, um, he's actually going to be joining me again tomorrow morning at 10. Um, his work schedule has freed up uh, for him a little bit, and so he's able to join me at different times during the week. So join us, if you would, uh, for just a time of, of a daily devotion. It's about a 20-minute time uh, where we're in the Word and just talking about what Scripture has for us today. Um, so I do want to remember, too, uh, God at Work, we've actually gotten one of our first stories, and um, one, of our, one of our church members, Bethany uh, Meredith, she sent me a note and said that she just wanted to praise God for the work opportunities that she's had to actually be caring for people in this time and, and getting to watch God answer prayers for her, it, being able to actually help people get the, the, the needs that they have fulfilled. Um, particularly for her, it's been helping people find housing um, and that are in need of, of housing, and she's actually been able to do that and watch God work in, in a miraculous ways there, uh, finding homes to get people settled in. So thanks for those. Please give us your your uh, your God at Work stories. You can send them to us at admin at libertylakechurch.com, and as we get them, uh, we will try and work them in and share them with you so you can all celebrate what God's doing as well. So would you join me in prayer this morning as we center our hearts around what God's doing, around who He is, and um, how we would celebrate this Palm Sunday in a completely different way than what we probably many of us have ever experienced um, as a church body. So uh, bow your heads and your heart with me as we pray this morning. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to exalt you. You are outside of time. You're outside of, of this place. The, the, your church is bigger than just a building. And so, yeah, Lord, we, we miss the, the gathering together. We miss some of the fellowship that is so meaningful and rich for us here at Liberty Lake Church. Um, and we know that that's the case, Father. And I pray, Lord, as we go through this time of physical um, uh, distancing and, and separation from one another, Lord, that you would cause our hearts to grow even fonder of the times we get to spend together, that we would appreciate them more, we would value one another more, we would value your plan and your purposes that the, you have given the church even more because of this time. And Lord, when the day is here that we get to gather again. I pray, Father, that we would not go back to the complacency of uh, taking for granted the privileges we have as a church to gather, the responsibility we have as the church to live in our community, to be the light of this nation, to be the light of the world for the gospel's sake, for your kingdom's purposes. Father, that you would light in us a fire that would not be easily extinguished even by comfort and complacency and wealth but God, that we would burn bright for you in a way we have never done um, because you have given us this time, this opportunity to search our own hearts, our own souls, and to examine what it is that you're doing in the midst of this time through the kingdom work of your gospel, of the good news that is here for everyone, that is uh, meant for all of us uh, uh, to, to see, to share, to experience, and uh, Lord, hopefully to shed light on the darkness that is in this world, the deception, those who are, are lost or deceived by the enemy. And Father, I just pray that as we consider this today, you would overwhelm our hearts with the truth of your word, and you would challenge us to be your church, as only you can do. In your name, amen. Would you guys join us this morning as our music team leads us in uh, worship? Won't you join us with Only King Forever? 
firm foundation, our rock, the only solid ground. Nations rise and fall. Kingdoms when strong now shaken, we trust forever in your name, the name of Jesus. We trust the name of Jesus, you are the only King forever, Almighty God we lift you higher, you are the only King forever. Forevermore, you are victorious, you are the only king forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher, you are the only king forever. Forevermore, you are victorious. Unmatched in all your wisdom. In love and justice you will reign, and every knee will bow. We bring our expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, the name of Jesus. Whoa, we trust the name of Jesus. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. We lift our banner high. We lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign, your kingdom has no end. We lift our banner high, we lift the name of Jesus. From age to age you reign, your kingdom has no end. You are the only king forever, almighty God we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious. You are the only King forever. Almighty God, we lift you higher. You are the only King forever, forevermore. You are victorious.
face in every sunrise The colors of the morning are inside your eyes The world awakens in the light of the day I look up to the sky and say You're Beautiful, you're beautiful. 
Father God, you are beautiful, and we love you, and we thank you that um, these promises of who you are and seeing your face in every sunrise and um, the colors of the morning are inside your eyes. Um, we're just amazed by you, Father. And even in this moment of, um, of a struggle and frustration, I pray that we wouldn't lose sight, even in the recesses of our mind. Spirit, would you bring that into the forefront of our hearts and minds? We would display it to our families, to our neighbors, and to the people around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier, and I want to do that now. Um, if you are looking for the sermon notes, you can find them on our webpage. If you go to libertylakechurch.com, uh, up in the header, you should see sermon notes right on that front page. You can pop in there, download them, uh, print them up on your computer at home, or, or just follow along on your computer um, or whatever device, extra device you may have. I don't know how many devices you have in your home, but you're welcome to do that. Uh, this morning, it's a it, little bit different in the in the flow of things. Um, as you guys know, I'm a little goofy on this. I love to stay in the text, even when we come to particular holidays. Um, and I thought, what an, another amazing moment as we think about um, Jesus coming into the uh, into Israel, into Jerusalem, uh, in the with the procession, uh, the the triumphal entry as the coming king, and they're celebrating Hosanna, and they're singing all of these things about him coming because he's the promised king. He's supposed to be establishing his kingdom. Um, and here in the text in Mark, we come into a time. Uh, you, you know, Jesus has been wrestling with the Pharisees. They're trying to t- trick him in his teaching, and, and all of these are happening. In the text this morning, we're actually in uh, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13, where Jesus is protecting the children. The, the children are being brought to him. Parents are wanting Jesus to bless their kids and to pray over their children, and they're being brought, and the disciples are turning them away. And Jesus reflects on, on their behavior uh, and, and, and actually references the, the children to such belong the kingdom of God. And so this morning we're going to look at that idea of um, let the children come, coming as a child uh, and receiving the kingdom of God um, like a child and and how that affects us, how that uh, interaction happens with us. I don't know if you guys remember um, being children. I, I don't particularly remember remember being children, but my mom, uh, I think there was a, a time I, I remember us doing mud pies or something along that line, and um, she had to give us the input not to eat it, uh, which as an adult seems just profoundly mind-boggling. You'd have to tell a child uh, not to eat their mud pies um, until I became a father of four boys, and I suddenly realized you have to tell them not to eat their mud pies. Um, and so when we think about children coming and uh, to the kingdom and, and coming to God in, in such a way, uh, there's, there's elements of this that uh, I, I love, and then there's other parts of it that I kind of go, man, is that, I don't know, it almost, it almost fights against my own personal um, idea of, of holiness and reverence and, and how to approach this king. Um, so as we wrestle with this today, I hope it's encouraging to you. Um, I, I believe it was supposed to be encouraging to the disciples, and and by the grace of God, we will we'll maybe um, find something in the text today to really to really change our hearts toward how we're approaching um, the Lord, even as adults. Um, I was thinking about this even as I was wrestling with it this morning, thinking to myself, 
man, what's some of the significant differences between how I approach the Lord today and how um, I see a child approaching this stuff? And one of the only illustrations I have is to watch how my boys interacted um, with me at times. And there was a there was a, a profound trust. Um, in fact, some of the some of the greatest moments I remember are the when the boys would climb up on the couch and cuddle in with me when we were doing a story, um, and we'd read and talk, and they'd actually they'd actually come and sit next to me and and sit on my lap or or, or you know climb into my arms. Surprisingly, I don't know if you know what I did wrong, but uh, they don't do that anymore. Uh, you know, my youngest is is nineteen, and he doesn't want to snuggle with me. Uh, and read a story, and uh, I I know it's odd, isn't it? For all of you parents out there, we're just like, what changed? I'm still the same. I, anyway, we all know that happens. Um, but I wonder if that's kind of how we are as adults too. You know, we come to Jesus, and and we we initially experience this great joy and this this excitement and and this young faith that believes in 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 trusts and engages and yeah I, I i know we're probably childish or you know paul talks about how how we're on milk and and we're we we need to grow up and mature and and come into eating meat and 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 being sustained by different things but i wonder if there's times where we've lost that uh, joyful anticipation of meeting with the father of of closeness um, because as as we've grown or matured um, we've outgrown some of those things. Um, so it, we'll, we'll wrestle with that this morning, and um, I, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Would you turn in your Bibles with me this morning? We're going to read the text. It's, it's Mark chapter 10, verse 13. I'll give you just a moment to get there in your Bibles this morning. Mark chapter 10, uh, verse, starting in verse 13. Mark 10, 13, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them and laying his hands on them. Uh, Isn't it... uh, it's incredible, right, that we see in this text um, the disciples are, are trying to protect Jesus. And I can only imagine that it had to be something along the lines of, man, why are they bothering him with, with these children? They're not sick. They don't need any. I mean, is this a circus show? Is it, is it, it maybe it was, our, it was the first, uh, the first priestly experience where, you know, he's, he's blessing them and doing whatever he's doing. And, um, I honestly, I get it. I think if I was one of the disciples, I probably would have been in the same boat. Um, in fact, I think there's times where in our, in our current church today, um, people think that, that like the pastor has special powers or some kind of special blessing that, that if I pray over you, it's going to be better for you. Or I don't know, maybe God listens to my prayers more. I'm not sure what the uh, affection is or the, the, that thought process, but can you imagine if it was Jesus? I mean, I think every one of us would be lining up to have some kind of connection, some kind of contact with him because it's Jesus. And, and, and he's not only is it Jesus, but there's this history, there's this evidence of healing and blessing that are come, that's coming to people. 
and and people are following uh, uh, following him, and, and we're seeing all of these miracles happen. So I can only imagine the desire it would have been for a parent to have their children in the presence of Christ, to have their children blessed by Jesus. And I think about that now as a parent with adult men um, that that my bride and I have labored to raise and to follow the Lord, and watching them make some of the same mistakes that I made, some of the same. Uh, challenges of learning to follow Jesus, learning to be uh, a choosing to be God's a child of God as opposed to just a child of the world, and the the deep longing that we my, Sally and I both have for our boys to choose to follow Christ. Um, I can only imagine what it would have been like to have been there to present the children to Jesus Himself, and it's it, it's the the. the the craziness in this, and when we think about this, this statement that he makes that, you know, to such belong the kingdom of God, we have to receive God, uh, the kingdom of God like a child. Look at who they're bringing. You got to turn to Luke, um, Luke chapter 18. Uh, we're going to pick up, we're actually going to read both of the accounts, uh, Luke's account and Matthew's account of this particular text because it gives us just a little bit more meat to address this morning. And what's happening here, and it's, it's, I think it's insightful, and I think it's very important for us to see. So if you turn to Luke chapter 18, and starting in, in verse 15, um, it says this. Now, they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked, him, uh, rebuked them. But Jesus called them uh, to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So they're even bringing infants to Jesus. Infants. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't really remember my life as an infant. I, I don't. Um, the, uh, early rem- memories for me. Um, I'm sure are several years past that, but when you think about an infant coming, and Jesus here, Jesus is is protecting and inviting even the infants, even the mothers to come that have infants. It gives us a really broad range of children that are showing up. And what does an infant bring to the table? When when you think about how we come to Christ, when we think about how we enter the kingdom of God, how we approach that, um, what what does an infant bring to the table? Um, I mean, you know, I enjoyed my children as infants. Um, my my firstborn wanted very little to do with me. Uh, for whatever reason, he saw his mom as the most important thing in the world. Uh, go go figure, right? Uh, and so I got the privilege of changing diapers and getting food ready for him. In fact, as an infant, he he almost wasn't even any good to play with. Um, which that sounded horrible, but the, not what I hopefully you understand what I mean. I loved them at one and two and three because, man, we could wrestle and play. It was just a ton of fun as, as they began to engage and, and interact back and, and, and do all of those things. But some of the great moments were, were watching them laugh, watching them uh, as infants engage in life, and the trust, the dependency, um, the needs that they had to be cared for and, and loved on became very, very evident. 
And even here, Jesus isn't turning them away, but he's, he's laying his hands on them and he's praying for them. He's, he's giving them value in the midst of uh, a chaotic ministry. Remember, too, Jesus was healing people. There was, there was throngs of people, masses of people that were coming with sicknesses and diseases and, and, and uh, demonic uh, uh, oppression. And all of these different, different problems were showing up. And here in the midst of that, Jesus is taking time for the children and, and engaging them as well. What a beautiful, beautiful uh, picture that it is. Um, and in fact, we see him doing that. That's Matthew chapter 19. Turn with me to Matthew 19. And you, you'll actually see Jesus specifically takes the time to engage, um, to engage these children, the, the, the families, as they come forward. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. I'll give you just a second to get there in your Bible. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The, the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. I guess part of part of what we have to acknowledge in this is that the disciples were really wrestling with how Jesus cared for people, how he engaged all the people. And I, I can't, I don't know if I can really fathom how difficult it had to have been for the disciples, because if, if my understanding of the culture at that time is correct, children didn't equate to a ton of value. They, they weren't considered the, uh, the same way that they are today. Um, I think partly because you probably had a much higher fatality rate of, of, for, for infants um, than what we would see today. Many of our children today uh, that, that you know, we see live through their birth and through their early medical issues pr- would not have survived at that time, um, you know, outside of the hand of God protecting them and keeping them alive. So m- m- cultural issues, many different things. And so for the disciples to be rebuked at this point for, for turning away the kids and, and for Jesus to draw them in had to have had a profound effect on them, what they see as God's inviting people in. And Jesus actually says, let the children come. He, he, he says, don't hinder them. Don't get in their way. Don't get in the way of the infants coming in. Um, just a, a side note to that, I, I wrestle with the context of the church and, and some of the activity that we do as a church and, and wondering if how often we're in the way of the young faith, the, the, the children uh, in the kingdom coming. H- how often are we in the way? I wonder at times if some of our religiousness, some of our, uh, what would you call it, adult baggage, if you will, um, you, you know, I, I, again, maybe I'm meddling, but if you've ever come to church and you've run into uh, to either the uh, grumpy one or the overly zealous one, or or maybe the pastor who who just doesn't have time for anybody, or or you run into churches where where all the groups are already gathered and they, and they don't have time for new people. Um, I, there's so many different variables of of that. But how often is the church the hindering? block or the stumbling block for for new believers whether it's with massive rules or or whether it's with hip, uh, hi, uh, oh hypocrisy where we're living one thing but what we're saying something else when they actually watch us say this at church but then live in another way outside of the church i just it it, it concerns me 
um, even in my own behavior, that somebody would say, that guy claims to be a believer, but he, he lives like this. Uh, th- that would be a deep concern for me. In fact, um, I haven't done it yet. I have a Liberty Lake Church uh, uh, window sticker that's supposed to go on my car. I have not sitting in my car. I haven't put it on yet. And I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. It has nothing to do with me worried about my reputation anymore. It used to. I used to swear I would never put a fish on my car because I didn't ever want to have to deal with being accountable for my behavior. Really? That's that's how that's how I want to do Christianity. That's how I want to walk with God. I, I want to try and I want to try and distance myself from being associated as a believer because I might actually not behave that. I just wonder sometimes if you and I don't do that, not realizing what we're saying, what we're, what we're actually displaying to our children. In fact, you take that into consideration and then you ask yourself, how many times have your children repeated a behavior that you've done in the privacy of your home that you would never want them to do in church? Just let that sink in for just a moment. That would be terrifying, right? It's even worse when your children get old enough and they actually go, well, Dad, that's what you did. Ah! Away from me, child. That's what I'd like to say, but you can't always do that. And so here's the wrestling match that, that I'm, I'm wrestling with and, and that I think we need to wrestle with today. When Jesus says that to such belongs the kingdom of God, do we really recognize what he's saying? Do we really understand the challenge that we're experiencing in the text this morning? To view our approach to the king in, in light of this statement, that, that, that the child, the, the, the way that the children come, were, were being brought to Jesus at that moment, um, this childlike faith, this, and again, I, I want to be careful with that because faith is to grow and we're to mature in our faith. So it's, it's not that we're supposed to remain children as we come, but there's a, there is some elements of how children come and approach the kingdom, how, how this happens, that is very critical. Because otherwise, why would he have said that if you don't approach him as a child, um, that, that we're not going to actually see the, child, the, the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, Luke's account makes that very, very clear. He, he actually says that if you don't approach Christ in this way, if you don't approach the kingdom in this way, the, that you're not going to enter. Well, when we think about kingdom language, when we think about this idea of approaching the kingdom, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read um, the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus actually references the kingdom of heaven several times. And so we're going to read that, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse, uh, starting in verse, um, I think, what did I say, verse 2, starting in verse 2. So they're gathering, he's up on the mountain and he's preaching right here, Matthew 5, 2. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and 
utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm not sure if I really like the picture that that paints. I, I know it's true, but did you see some of the, the, the caricature of who these people are that are experiencing the kingdom of heaven and, and the results of the kingdom of heaven? Poor in spirit, uh, those who mourn, the meek, those who are hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, uh, those who are persecuted. He actually references being persecuted two times there at the end. Th- that's the people that are that are going to be receiving the kingdom. And when you can, cons- when you tie some of that stuff together, when you tie this whole picture, you have you have infants, you have children who are coming to the king, who who are dependent, who are in need of of Jesus, and, and they don't really have any way of even coming on their own. Um, at that point, they may not even know their need. And yet, because of the way that the parents are directing them and, and their need for a Savior, they're being brought to him dependent, desperate, and maybe not even realizing it. And, and then we see in the Beatitudes, using the same language, that, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, he says that twice, both in verse two, uh, 3 and verse 10. Those, those pictures of the, this meek, humble um, a person that is that is humble in their presentation, that's seeking after God, that's being persecuted um, for those things. I don't know if we like that. I don't know if I like the idea that that that's the posture that I would come to the King in. Um, I, I like confident and I like um, mature and and having having kind of settled in my heart what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like. To be in his kingdom. And yet there's this there's this idea of receiving the kingdom like a child. You know, one of the things that was the most amazing for me is how my boys went from believing that I could do anything to realizing that that's not true. And it it wasn't like I tried to keep them from finding that out that wasn't the pursuit uh, you know our our goal was that our boys would begin to see that they were capable on their own that they were able to make decisions they were responsible to make decisions to choose to follow the lord on their own to choose to to work hard to to choose to be men of character and and, and like me they they've made mistakes and they they do, I mean, like many of my mistakes, that I, I still mess things up today where I, I wish that I would handle them differently. But there's this transition of, of adoration and dependency and, and almost, almost a, a, a worship of the, you know, me as their father where they thought I could do anything. And rightfully so, that changed. Rightfully so, they they recognized that that's not true. That I make mistakes. That that I parent from selfishness. I I discipline at times out of anger. I 
I uh, compromised on our uh, on our consistency in our parent uh, in our in our uh, uh, agreed parenting processes that Sally and I had because I was tired and selfish and I didn't want to do those things. Rightfully so, they they should have abandoned that view of me being able to do all that. But that's not the way we should see God. That's not how we should come to the throne. Is beginning to uh, beginning to question or doubt Him. Or, or put him even in the same category as our earthly fathers. And, and I wonder if part of what Jesus isn't trying to do is to help the, the, his disciples recognize that although they've been invited into the kingdom, although he's called them to be part of his, his uh, uh, early church development, they're, they're in that leadership role. They're responsible for teaching and, and for gathering the people and taking what Jesus is teaching them and, and giving it to others. I wonder if part of what he's encouraging them and trying to remind them is not to lose sight of the fact that they still need to come as children to the Father, that, that they still need to come to God with adoration and worship, recognizing their inadequacies, recognizing their dependence and their need for him recognizing their their joyful approach to being in his presence to being connected to him one with him as as we know that we are being brought into through the kingdom of God through the work of Christ on the throne we're made right before God because of that I love Hebrews 10 14 it says with this one sacrifice he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified that's you and me as his children if we're his children then we are indwelt by the spirit and he's in the process of setting us apart making us holy but because of Christ we are made perfect in the presence in the eyes of God what a great privilege that that is. What a, what a great um, access that is to a relationship with our Father. I, I, it's amazing to me how parents, when we love our children well, when we engage our children well, even when they make mistakes as children, uh, I mean, you see it in mothers and, and fathers who are changing poopy diapers, right? They're, they're engaged in some of the, the most joyous parts of parenting. Let's just be honest. We all love poopy diapers. That's not true. In fact, some of us, uh, some of us have gag reflexes to some of what happens in those moments. And yet, parents who love their children, who are embracing them, joyfully go. Okay, well, joy might be a strong word, but we choose. We choose to lovingly go and we clean up that mess. We put it all away and we do it over and over and over again until the children come to the point where they're able to will be potty trained and to manage that stuff on their own. That's a picture of love. That's a picture of, I think, oftentimes what the Father does with us because of our messes and our, our propensity to continue to soil ourselves in our spiritual relationship with Him. And yet it's His love and it's His grace that does that. And I think it's for a purpose. And I think we see that in this illustration of children. Children don't bring anything substantial to the, the relationship, especially early on. Yes, there's joy. But oftentimes it's great need and, and dependence on the parent. And it's a great labor for the parents 
who engage and care for them and feed them and put them to bed and wake up in the middle of the night to, to, to care for their needs and to try and settle them down and, and to give them peace and to give them hope and to give them comfort and joy and, and, and to bring life healthy living for them. And I, I think we see that in this instruction and in this invitation from, the, from Jesus to say, let the kids come, recognize we come to the Father, to the kingdom, as children's in great need. Look at Ephesians. I, I love how Paul wraps this up in Ephesians chapter 2. Turn with me in your Bibles. Hopefully you have your Bibles. You guys, I want to encourage you, use your Bibles when you can. Don't just depend on the screen. I, I want you to be in the Word. If it's, on, if it's on your phone, use your phone. If it's on your tech, that's fine. But be in the Word. Find it in your, in your margins. Understand where it's at. And, and, and learn these places so you can go back to them and find them on your own. In fact, if you have a, a, a Bible, if you've got one that's got any study notes in it, there, there are letters and numbers next to them that you can find other Scripture to help you grow in your, in your knowledge and your pursuit of, of the Word of God, and He can speak to you through other places. But in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The gift of the cross, the gift of Jesus on the cross, it's not of our own work. It's not of something we've done. It's this, it's this, this amazing gift. It, it kind of reminds me, I, I, wonder if, um, I wonder if we've started to approach this a lot like we do many holidays. Uh, you think of Easter that's coming now, and how many of your children are anticipating eggs or, or candy or some kind of fun event that we're going to go out and do? And I just wonder if, as the disciples were hanging with Jesus as adults, as they were getting to do adult stuff, if they forgot the joyful excitement of an anticipated gift. Do you remember the time when your kids were young and, and you, you, you maybe did candy for the first time or you did an Easter egg hunt, and, and they're popping open the, the Easter eggs with, with candy. And then we did, we did a, a church Easter egg hunt up in Aeneas Valley. It was so much fun because we had candy in there, but we also had scripture verses that the kids got to come up and read. And I'm going to tell you, as a child, the scripture verses just didn't mean that much to them. We as parents, we were trying to help set for them the biblical truth of the Word of God, the value of the relationship with the King. But it was the excitement as a child of, of getting the candy and opening up that to find the surprise. Do you know what's amazing is you watch the older kids go through that process. They lost some of the excitement. Their anticipation of what was coming was, was lessened. Why? Because they've done it before. They've been there before. They experience it. They know it's going to be candy. Yay. And yet they love candy. It's not like, it's not like the gift that they were getting, the, 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 what was in the egg or at that moment was any less incredible to them. They would take it home, hardly share it with their father anymore. When they were young, I could get candy from them. But as they got older, man, that, that became more important to them than sharing with their dad. I had to buy my own candy. What's the point? I, I just wonder if as we engage with the Lord, as we walk with God during this season, coming Palm Sunday coming into Easter, if you and I have become too grown up to really be excited 
about the gift of Jesus. To be overwhelmed by the reality of the gift of Jesus. To be overwhelmed by that. I hope this week, as you consider what it means to come to, the, come to Jesus as a child, that you would maybe open your Bible with the anticipation of being overwhelmed as a child is overwhelmed by joy and excitement to be in the presence of a father or to be, to be excited about a gift, to be excited about uh, discovering something new. I want to challenge us, I believe that the text is challenging us to approach God in that way with the, with the faith of a child, the, a childlike approach to Christ this week. As you read the text about the triumphal entry, as you engage in considering Good Friday this, this week and, and what it means to, to come to Easter, the, the, the resurrection of Jesus, the, the new covenant established in his blood that makes you and I free, that, that causes us to be children of God and have access to the throne. I want to challenge you to consider to approach it as a child would with hope and excitement and newness that it would overwhelm you in a way that it hasn't done before. Or maybe it did once a long, long time ago. But as we've matured, we've lost some of that excitement. We've become familiar with him. I think we should be very careful of that, and we should approach him a little bit, maybe a little bit more innocently this year as we consider what it means to worship the King, to worship Jesus in this Easter season. May God bless you and uh, keep you this week as you consider that. Uh, I'll have just a, a moment, closing passage, closing words here after our team is done um, with our final song this morning. Thanks for joining us. Won't you join us with You Are My Vision?
Well, thanks again for joining us this morning. I, uh, it, it's a joy to be with you. I look forward to actually being with you at some point in time. Um, I just want to encourage us as we seek the Lord this week um, to turn our eyes to Him, to be in His Word. I know it's easy to be distracted. I, I know I, sitting at home, I find myself, um, I feel busier because I'm, I'm doing things for church and then I'm running around doing things for home and um, feel like I, I'm not getting much done or that that it, it almost feels wasted at times in the, the busyness of the schedule. I really want to encourage you as we move towards Easter this week to think about what it is that it, what does Easter represent? What's the purpose? It's about celebrating the risen Lord, our, our Redeemer, our Messiah, who paid the price for your sin and mine on the cross. Unjustly murdered, unjustly sacrificed, and yet it was the will of God. It pleased Him to put His Son on the cross to redeem His creation, those who would choose to believe, those who would choose to follow. So as you think about your week this week, would you turn your hearts with me towards the King, towards Jesus, towards the work that He did on the cross, towards this week as He entered the, to, into Jerusalem, celebrated by the masses, to end the week on the cross. Because the hearts of people are fickle, and we are easily deceived, we are easily distracted, we, we quickly wander. And yet, our Lord Jesus stayed the course and provided for you and me great hope and joy because he gave us access to the throne. I want to encourage you this week. Uh, I'm, I, 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 well, if we would dress up to come on normal Easter Sunday, I want to encourage you to do that at home. And I'm going to challenge you this week to sh- uh, send us your photos on our Facebook um, during our services next week. I'd love to see how you're all dressing up to come to church. Uh, to to celebrate Easter, um, just for fun, because if I'm going to have to dress up, I'm going to make y'all do the same thing. So show us your outfits and uh, and uh, let let us see how you're dressing up to celebrate the Savior, to celebrate this this holiday, this this great and wonderful day um, where Jesus rose from the grave and and we where we celebrate our risen Lord, um, the hope of our salvation the joy of our, of, of our lives as we live in obedience, as we follow him and come to him as children do with great anticipation, great hope, recognizing we bring nothing to the table, but we are completely dependent on him to do all these things. God bless. We'll see you next week. And uh, I hope you have a great week following him.